0: Good morning. Hi. Wow, I'm excited to be here at uh, Faith Bible Fellowship here in Oak Ridge, uh, telling some folks out. My first high school girlfriend went to Robertsville, so I came this way a few times uh, when she got in high school. We were so. Uh, Oak Ridge is old stomping grounds, if you will. Uh, I brought my Bible, but just in case I couldn't see it in the pulpit, I also brought my tablet that I can make as big as I want to see it. So that's that's very handy. <laughs> So I've got get the scripture here in front of me. I hope my eyes are getting a little bit a little bit harder to to see some of these finer print bibles. So we'll uh I'm going to look at I'll, I'll look through my my tablet today, but now I just want to um, talk today a little bit. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, uh the first chapter, there verses 18 to the end. But just thinking about the message of the cross and kind of God's ways are above our ways his thoughts are above our thoughts we know that and this is one of the the prime examples of that in scripture of where man we um we think we just think of the cross i mean just for a minute just think about how i mean how does that sound it's it's even today you know we kind of get made fun of a little bit out in public you know i've heard uh, Jesse Ventura former wrestler former governor of minnesota say it was the crutch for like feeble and weak-minded people is what organized religion is. And even back in Jesus' day and things of that nature, people kind of made fun of or scoffed at and laughed at They demanded signs. And as we get into the Word, we'll see that today. And so if you will, we'll read through it, and then we'll just go back and kind of a little paragraph by paragraph look at what all it says. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. And it reads, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Right? You're calling it foolishness, the message that was preached. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers, brothers and sisters, think of, think, of, excuse me, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So there we go. Just just a picture of God's ways are different than our ways, thoughts different than our thoughts. The way he reasons, like his his weakness is stronger than any human strength. I always struggle on that part because I can't think of God being weak at all. But Paul used it there as an example because if you could imagine God being weak, then even his weakness is stronger than our our. Um, our strongest human strength. So if you think about it, what is the gospel? It's it's Jesus. You know, a lowly Jewish carpenter dying on a cross to take away the sins of the world. What what kind of sense does that make in our, our worldly mindset and our, our mindset and concepts of ways the world teaches and preaches? It, it really doesn't. And that's by design. Because if we could figure it all out, we wouldn't need this thing called faith. So God in his wisdom, kind of turns everything on its head as far as the human perspective. And that's the way we should want it. If we could figure it all out, I don't think God was, is really that worth worshiping, if you will. He needs to be on that higher plane in that, that different way. And I think it all boils down to, you know, we're all made in God's image. We talk talked about that in the beginning, back in Genesis, made in God's image. Yet, we're all born in sin, too. So there's that separation you know, from Adam and Eve and that separation made there. And I think everyone, deep down, we're wired up. And we know we've got that old, there's an old, I believe it was Audio Adrenaline, God-shaped hole, Newsboys, one of them, one of the old Christian groups. Uh, everybody's got that God-shaped hole. And in, and until you come to that moment in time, at that moment of salvation, you fill that hole with God, I think in the back of everyone's mind, there's something niggling there. You know, Psalm 9. Read right out of Psalm 18. I thought about preaching out of Psalm 19 this morning, and it talks about, you know, the whole of creation preaches Jesus, preaches God. We're without excuse. We see it, we know it, He's all around us. So everyone knows something's there, but we don't really know quite how to fill that hole. And then, boom, here comes the message of the cross. And that's just craziness. But that is what Paul stood on. He just preached the, the foolishness of the cross. We, we'll look at it a little closer here in just a moment, but. Um, if we look back here at the very first couple of verses the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved is the power of God and right there that verse reminded me Romans 1 and um, in seminary I had a professor teach us that's Romans one, sixteen and 17 is called little Romans is how he called it. it it's the thesis of the whole book and it reads for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. So, you know, Paul was there; he's, he's telling, he's boiling boiling down the gospel in that one little verse. And it's first for the Jews, and you can look at you can even look back in the Gospels and Jesus and the way you know there's this lady; she had a, a sick child, and she comes to him. She's a Gentile, and Jesus uh, asking, "You come, can you heal my son?" He said, "No." I'm I'm here for the Jews right now, and she goes, but but even the dogs get scraps from the table, and Jesus said, you're right, and in, and in her her faith and kind of in her wisdom, Jesus said, all right, and he he healed the lady's child, even he wasn't really looking to do that at that point. He he focused on the Jews first, and we all know that Jews, uh, the Jews and the uh, Pharisees, folks like that, all those different Jewish sects were after Jesus, and basically. And it being the reason why uh, he was crucified, or they, they orchestrated it working together. But, um, but he, had his, he had his purpose first, but even when this lady comes, is for Jews and Gentiles. It's for everyone. It was then, it still is today. The gospel is for everyone who believes. And that's the key, because if you look at um, all throughout Scripture, you know, you think of the Gospel of John, and the f- most famous verse in the Scripture is John three sixteen. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, and that's in the, just the third chapter. If you go all throughout John, all throughout the Gospels, it's about believing. And you've got to believe in that, in that message of the cross that Paul just preached. And somehow through his preaching, wasn't fancy, wasn't big oratories and things like that, but preaching a simple, strange message, he depended on the Spirit to change people's hearts. And that's, that's what we still do today. There's no real magic formula. We know that. It, it's, it's Holy Spirit drawing people and us as believers sharing, loving on folks as we go, and, and that's what makes really a difference in the world. So um, if we look down here, verses 20 through 25. Again, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him God was pleased through foolishness through the foolishness of what is preached to save those who believe and that's where we are we we can we can never talk anyone into salvation if I can talk you into something someone else can talk you out of it it's got to be more than that it happens on that supernatural level Have um, you ever had you ever had been made fun of a little bit or people laughed at you for your faith even today it's still out there in fact more and more it's growing i mean we're in a world that you got to see it feel it touch it faith is kind of like you say i mentioned jesse ventura earlier it's laughed at it's scoffed at um and through that though we just we zero in again on that message of christ crucified Jesus, Jews demanded a sign, and Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preached Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and uh, foolishness to the Gentiles. If you think of that, it brings another couple of great illustrations to mind. Um, I'm, I'm, if you're looking at, I mentioned throughout um, throughout the Gospels, I mentioned John a minute ago, That word believe is throughout there. It's what he he wrote the the gospel writer. Over and over for us to have, but you go through all the gospels, and anytime Jesus would heal someone or do a miracle, Jewish people around would, would demand an even another sign. He's like, Can you not just see that? They're like at the cross yelling, If you are truly of the Son of God, come down off that cross. He didn't do it, he didn't have to, uh, but they were always demanding a sign. And if you're thinking of, um, of Greeks who laughed at him, That that reminds me of Paul over in the book of Acts. Um, Greeks laughed at him. And if you look at Acts, it's chapter 17, verses uh, 32 to 34. It says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. And some of the people became followers of, of Paul and believed. So even, I, I've gotten to go to the Areopagus. They're on Mars Hill. It's very slippery, by the way, because a lot of people have been up there now. So be careful if you ever make it. But uh, just up there and, re- and just read through this whole uh, Acts chapter 17. And it's amazing because you can look out down through there and you can just imagine this bustling center of Greek thought. I mean, Athens, Greece. It didn't get more Greek than that. And here he is and Paul's going along and he sees that, that statue, that idol to the unknown God. And what, oh gosh, what what are we going to, he said, I I know this unknown God you don't know. Let me tell you about him. And as he talks about that and he talks about the resurrection of Jesus, again, some laughed, some scoffed, but I love that other part, the verse 34, some of the people became followers and believed. There's that word belief again. That's what it comes down to. Paul wasn't doing anything big, but when he got the chance, he preached Christ and him crucified and nothing else. He didn't, didn't pretty it up. He didn't try to, he did actually, one of the cool things he did in that uh, section of scripture, he used some of their poetry that they knew. Some of the things like, uh, it's in, in him that we live and move and have our being. That was a famous po- poetry line from that day. But, and Paul knew it enough that he, he worked it into his message of Jesus is the one in who we live and move and have our being. He's the one that died on the cross for us and rose three days later. And now through the Holy Spirit can fill you and can change you, and make that difference in your in the world. So, um, Paul did he receive he he resolved to preach nothing but the foolishness of the cross. Um, and again, Gentiles struggled with it. They uh, they laughed. They couldn't believe it. What are you talking about? We've got all these gods in the pantheon. We've got Zeus, and we've got whomever. Who, who's this this Jesus? What? What are you talking about? Didn't stop Paul. He stayed true to what he knew was the foundation uh, of his faith. And we'll move on here and looking at starting in verse 26. We'll, We'll go back to there. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So what are some of these foolish things and who of noble birth and things of that nature? Think back, if you go back to Old Testament uh, times, you know, before God called him, Abraham wasn't much of anything, but God called him and made a mighty nation of him. And we know out of Genesis 12:1 that even us today are, are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. We're those sands that you can't count on the seashore. We're the stars in the heavens that you can't count. The innumerable amount of offspring from Abraham who, as we know, stumbled, tried to put his uh, ideas and his ways before God's, um, struggled with it. Moses, you know, a lowly little boy that, you know, was going to get killed if his mom didn't sit him in a, in a basket because of what the Pharaoh had proclaimed. And then he gets brought in, um, raises in Pharaoh's house, sent out to the desert for 40 years after he kills a man. But then God chooses him to, to lead the Jews through the Exodus. But not anybody would expect like a Moses to come up and come through like that. Um, David, you know, in, my, in our mind's eye, you know, Samuel, he goes through every one of Jesse's sons. Is there any more? Yeah, i got this little one up on the hill watching the sheep. Bring him down. That's on I want to see. Brought him down, and the little ruddy cheek boy, the curly... Here he came. That's my man. That's the man after God's own heart that no one in the world expected. So that is, again, God kind of turning human expectations and things upside down. Heck, I think of my testimony a little bit. Y'all have heard. You said it earlier. I... I've made it around the world, sharing the gospel, mainly through basketball, if you can't tell. <laughs> I'd go play, and we'd share testimonies and things at camps and clinics and exhibition games. But And you also heard, I came from Rockwood, Tennessee. I mean, y'all are clo- relatively close here in Oak Ridge, but you go, you kind of go over the ridge there, and boom, little map dot, noble birth, no, just podunk holler, as, as we say around here through, you know, God and his will and his way, and me said okay, Lord, just kind of stepping out on faith. I've been able to go to Cape Town, South Africa, live there for two years. I've been able to play the Mali national team in Bamako. I've gone to Timbuktu, by the way, so that's kind of fun. Had a stamp in the passport. Uh, but all because of basketball and trying to tell people about this message uh, of Jesus. And then uh, we've, I've gotten to play Angola's national team. I've gotten to play Egypt's national team. And Egypt, especially, that was a really cool thing, cause we're down in Johannesburg, South Africa, playing them to warm up for the All Africa Games, and they're they're in our territory, if you will, at that point. And we're able to share with them a Give Me the Rock video, where all these NBA players show their testimony. And these, who knows where that video went once it got in Egypt? You can't go in and preach, but since we found them in South Africa, we gave them everything we could of the gospel. And, and loved on them as quickly as we could. It's the beauty of sports, you know. I, I don't speak Egyptian. They don't speak English. But we could speak to each other on the basketball court. So that that was always kind of a cool cool thing. But, um, again, not I'm, I'm sharing all that to say I, I'm nothing special. You see me, I'm tall. I got, you can't teach height on the basketball court. That's what they tell me. So I put that to good use. I'm closer than a lot of people when I shoot. So I, I, I did what I could with it. But, um, but yeah, so i, I I've got, you now, you know, you probably heard I went to a Baptist seminary, so you've got to have three points that i alliterate, right? Or four, three or four. So I'm going to throw myself in here with these S's I'm about to share with you. So Scott is the first kind of unexpected person that God was able to use from that testimony I just shared. But uh, some other things that I think of that, if you go back to the Scripture, the weak things of the world, that shame the strong, the, the unexpected, as I talked about. Think about the shepherds. Go back to Matthew or Luke chapter 2. And if we think of the shepherds, they are the low, one of the lowest professions of the time. They're sweaty, they're stinky, they're smelly, they're out there in the fields. You know, sometimes when the shepherds come along, oh, oh, like people, oh, oh shepherds, we're going over here. They kind of, seriously, I mean, that, that's kind of how they were thought of at the day. Oh, kind of, kids, get behind me. Here come the shepherds. They didn't have the best of, of reputations. But they show up, and they see Jesus, the baby Jesus, and they see Mary and they see uh, Joseph. And if you look at Luke 2:16 to 18, it says, "And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So even then they're the first missionaries, God and His wisdom. Took the lowliest thing he could think of at the time, the shepherds, and sent them to see the baby Jesus, and sent them out to go share this. They didn't even have the they didn't have the crazy message of the cross at that point to share, but what they had heard so far, they were faithful enough to share it. This baby that had been born, that God had said from come, on high, come from on high, this Messiah, this God with us, this Emmanuel is here now, and the shepherds knew that because God. well, for one. Angels showed up, started singing to them right in the fields, and that was awesome too. But, um, but again, God chose the shepherds uh, to be kind of those first, first missionaries. So, that, that was one of my other, uh, one of the S's from my little points here. A next uh, example I would think of, I've, I've thought of, were the Samaritans you hear of in the Bible. There's a couple different things. One is the lady at a well in Sychar, which is right in the middle of Samaria. And I don't know if you know about Jesus, but in his time, you may have heard it talked about, Samaria kind of sat between, you know, Israel and Judah, and you kind of go through it. But people often went around it. They hated the Samaritans so bad. They were a half-breed. They were the Jews of the day had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And so they would walk around their region to not have to be around them. But Jesus said, no, I must go through Samaria. He goes there, finds this woman at the well. Many of y'all know the story. She's drawing water. He asks her about her husband. I don't have a husband. I know the man, you've had seven, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And just lays out, but it talks about how she asks him about where to worship. Is it here at Mount Gilgal, Mount one of the mounts, or was it over? Where is it? And Jesus, I'm gonna teach you that. There comes a day we're gonna worship just in spirit and truth wherever we find ourselves. I'm gonna give you water. I can be that water, and you'll never thirst again. And she she realizes it. And she takes off and tells the whole village, the whole village of Sychar. And they come running, and they start hearing Jesus. And uh, the verse there in John four thirty nine says, Many from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So this Samaritan woman that was really lowly thought of, for one back then, unfortunately women were very really low standard, but a Samaritan woman who had been married all these times and was living with a guy that wasn't her husband, she was probably on one of the lowest you know, social strata, if you will, uh, lowest kind of lo- thought of, very lowly. And here she came, um, shared with all these people, and because of her testimony, that there was a little revival right there in that Samaritan village of Sychar, and that was awesome. You think of another Samaritan that's very famous in the Bible is the Good Samaritan, and this is the man we, we know the story. A guy's beaten up on a road, and here come uh, basically the priest, or a Levite, very high official in the, in the worship services of the time of the Jews, and he stepped on their side and walked away. And here come the priest, and he, he stepped in, and further and walked away. So some of the most highly thought of people in the religious circles of the day was going to leave the man to die. But here come a Samaritan, again, one of the most lowly thought of people in the world and at the time, comes on and scoops the man up bandaged his wounds, showed care, showed love, took him, put him in a place, said, here, take care of this man, and I'll come back through, and if I need to pay any more, when I'm done, I will, do whatever it takes to take care of this man, and so there's were just two, again, things in the world, not expected, people in our mind's eyes, humans are going to think, Samaritan's not going to help anybody, who are they? Two great examples, going back to the shepherds, shepherds, what? Who are they? They're lowly. But no, they, they were the first missionaries. Um, and then, one of the, um, another S, if you will, in this, um, in the word that reminds me of um, someone that was so unexpected, so no one would have ever guessed, was a man named Saul of Tarsus. Well, Saul became Paul, the greatest missionary ever. Wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Wrote this book we're in today. Wrote several other of the New Testament books. But Saul of Tarsus was a man who stood at the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And he held coats so people could take... Because stoning is not throwing a few little rocks at someone, give them a pump knot. No, it's the grabbing the biggest rock you can have, heaving at someone until they die. That's what stoning was. It was. And so you had to get your coat off and get it really loosened up and really throw the thing. And so Saul of Tarsus was standing there. He picks up those coats and he holds them. He watches the coats while people actually stone Stephen to death. And so how's this guy ever going to be used by God to, to spread this Christian message that he was stoning a guy for? Because all Stephen had done was told the Jews their whole history. Acts 7, one of the longest... Chapter is probably in Acts. It gets into the verses in the 70s, I think. But it's because he starts at the beginning, works his way, all the way down, and said, "You're the ones that killed him," and they get mad at him. But it's truth, and they stone him for it. And and Saul was saying, "Yeah, yeah, you should stone this guy for this." Then he takes that same. He's on his road to Damascus, we all know, and you know, like scales fall in his eyes. He can't see. He's blinded for several days. And the, and the Lord, he says, "Lord, Lord," and he says, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecute me?" And he cries out, Lord, Lord. And at that moment, there's a change in this guy's heart. And I don't, I don't think that's when his name changes necessarily in Scripture, but he later becomes Paul. And Paul did three missionary journeys, walked thousands of miles, would go from town to town, village to village, and preach this message of the cross, this silly, silly message that the world couldn't, um, couldn't understand, wouldn't, didn't want to hear um and it that's that's where he um that's where he hung his hat that's what he stood upon and no matter what he, he wouldn't waver from it um you just think of paul and silas in prison in philippi they'd cast the demon out of, of a little girl and this guy that was making money from her because she could tell futures and things she could fortune tell had thrown him in prison and uh, Paul and Silas are in there, and what are they doing in prison? Are they fussing? Are they having a pity party? No, they're singing praise songs. They're praising the Lord in the middle of prison, and an earthquake happens, and they get shook, shook loose, and they could take off. And this centurion, this guard, he's uh, he's like he's about to um, kill himself because he knows, I mean, if these guys get gone, they're going to kill me. I might as well kill myself. Paul said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. It's okay. I'll tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you this this foolish message people think of. Well, that was enough for that um, guard to believe him and his whole household. And everyone on that day, they were were baptized. They they became believers uh, because Paul, even in the midst of being um, thrown in jail and um, persecuted, whipped, flogged, all the stuff that happened to him and Silas, they still found... The message of the gospel worth sharing. So, uh, as as we kind of closing the the verses out today, said we talked about the the lowly things. I said, "Is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption." It's a big line right there, and I was like, man probably could just preach right out of that but it struck me you know if you just think on these words for a minute you know wisdom from god that is our righteousness well what is it we think of righteousness and we think oh man don't get that confused with self-righteousness things that are we think more highly of ourself than we ought but regular righteousness is just doing what's right in god's eyes and how do we do that well we look at jesus we look at what he taught and what he preached and recently my wife and I have been in our quiet times. We've been in the uh, been in Matthew five, the Beatitudes. And even she mentioned it today talking about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meat. Blessed are all these things that are blessed in the Beatitudes are opposite of what the world think would be blessed. And that just what flows right into my sermon today. That's really cool. Because the um the things of this world what they hold in high regard and high standard is not what god and jesus are looking for so often so if you're looking at um that wisdom that righteousness just doing what is right we're 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 kind of without excuse we've got scripture in front of us we'll get in it and love the folk love folks the way jesus loved you know give without expecting a return, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's laid out for us. And we, we have that because of what Jesus did, that righteousness. That holiness, you know, we're called to be holy as Christ was holy. First Peter uh, talks about that a lot. Um, and then redemption, that, that redeeming value, that redeeming quality, that taking away, the, so that, that trading out our, our sin debt. You know, that's what redeeming something is. Like you redeem a coupon and redeem something. And that's what Jesus did on the cross and in such a manner that on our own we can't really figure it out. Like I talk about it, if you just try to reason it out with human reasoning, the cross makes no sense. Again, lowly Jewish carpenter hanging on a tree, dying for your sins. It's not, it's not anything we would ever think of. But, but God... You know, in his wisdom, chose to take things that the world thought would be wise and take the wisdom of the world and make it foolishness. Used a foolish message of Jesus to bring salvation to the world, that redemption that, and that holiness. So this, just this final, final sentence here is, And therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And while we were at seminary, I had a, a missions professor who used to talk about um, the Great Commission. And it was, um, you know, go into Judea and Samaria and other most parts. Of, uh, you're going to go into other most parts of the world and, um, you know, p- teach, preach, baptize in my name. But he, he said it's really as you are going. If you, if you put it in the, in the proper English tense today, it's as you are going, brag on God. And that's what this, this verse reminds me of. so anything that we could boast of, anything that that we're blessed enough to have, it's all from the hand of the Lord. So just uh, looking back over today, you know it's that, that message that's out there that's no one's going to expect that, that it's foolishness in the world's eyes but God through his Wisdom through His power, through the Holy Spirit, through supernatural work, is is how it gets translated from that foolishness of the cross to a salvation that changes lives, that gives us sense and purpose, redeems us, uh, you know, from from the sin of that we have committed, and and that's just that's who we look at and look to to. As again, as I said earlier, Paul mentioned in who we live and move and have our being. If we do that as Jesus did, I think the, the as we all know the, the world would be a better place. It's easier said than done. We are uh humans. We do have the the right the ability to choose and but you know, I don't think anybody's ever going to be completely perfect. We're not. I don't can't say you don't think, but this side of heaven we won't. But each day we get chances to get a little better and better. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's, that's what I hope and pray that we do. I as said, we, as we were going, think of some of the things that the world would have never expected. Shepherds, first, first missionaries, Samaritans, looked down upon, hated, despised. God used them as examples. Uh, throughout Scripture to teach us how to live, and if we just do what the Good Samaritan did, that shows us a lot. And be willing to go share with people the excitement that the woman at the well at Sychar had when she went and shared with her her village when she had come across Jesus, and then Saul of Tarsus, and how he became Paul, the apostle, the missionary, the one who who again wrote so much stuff for us down, so much down for us to know um, in scripture and to follow up on. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for um, your wisdom. God, that's different than ours. We don't we don't get it. We don't understand it here, this side of heaven. Uh, we can't completely. But little by little, you, you reveal to us um, your will, your way, your love, your mercy, your grace. And God, through that, we just pray we would reflect that. You tell us to, to let our light shine, you know. And um, as we go, let us do that. Let us be light in this world, wherever we can, be salt, make a difference, bring seasoning uh, that, that makes things better and preserves, uh, preserves stuff, just like um, salt would do. God, you, are, um, you we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for that foolish message as we look at it. But again, in your strength and in your power and by your spirit, that foolishness gets, gets translated into the power of God for salvation. If that's all that really matters, Lord, when we come down to it in the end. Why are we on that side? God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.